the city of Fargo, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and we've been joined just now by so many other cities out there, so many places where things are, are going very well. I mean, they really are. Things are going very well. Uh, you know, I'm just going to use one town as an example. I I drove through Grafton the other day, and if you look at the businesses in Grafton and the car traffic in Grafton, if that's any indicator of how how well that city is doing, it's doing fine. It's it's doing fine. There are people there that are are doing business. Commerce is moving forward. And so I took that as a, a really good sign to see that that level of energy. Well, if you think of Fargo, you cannot ignore the fact that Fargo is growing and it's growing you know, by a lot. Well, one of the things that goes along with that is governance and, and how you do it, how you supply it, what you have to look at, all those issues. Well, one of the individuals that I've gotten to know through the years is John Strand, Fargo City Commissioner, and I asked him to come in because he's up this year. How you doing, John? Good morning, Joel, and it's a pleasure to be on KFJO again with you. Are you going to run again? I am. You I've have just, decided. I've, to. I've made my announcement this morning. Okay, good and, for you. And planned it for months. Joel been waffling back and forth about whether to and why to and. And the risks that come with running for office, you know, you you don't always uh, have it go your way, and you get a lot of feedback. That's kind of uh, you need thick skin. But yes, I'm I'm throwing my hat in the ring. I'm looking forward to it. It's been it's been an amazing honor to and privilege to serve the people, and it's a it's it's a constant, ongoing learning learning process every day. But yes, I am throwing my hat in the ring. Why? I have one more term, conceivably, to wrap up my 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 public service. Joel, we, we're termed out at at three limit three three terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's, I I believe that my role in being a voice for the people who aren't there, who aren't always at the table, who aren't uh, represented, I think that needs to continue. In my opinion, that's what I try to do, is 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 be a bridge to the the folks out there that are in our community that maybe aren't just don't have the the wherewithal and the position and the place to be there at the table and that's everything is being at the table or having somebody represent you at the table so i'm going to hope that people uh, appreciate my my approach to governance and to leadership and to resolve of issues when they surface and and i they know how i am it's not like i'm brand new or a commodity that folks have never seen before or heard of before so it's a it's a it's a known commodity for sure, and I'm just hoping that uh, the that the folks uh, out the people will will say uh, we we appreciate what you do. You know, everybody comes into one of these jobs with an aggressive agenda. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I've always wanted to do this, and you run on that. You tell people if I get this job, I'm going to accomplish these things. What that you put out there that said you were going to work on so far, have you been able to accomplish? You know, as I look back at these last almost eight years, uh, I would say that, that I've, I've, it's occurred to me that I'm, I'm somewhat of a mediator. You know, we've seen lots of fights. There's a fight every day, everywhere, and you know, see it in people's eyes. And I, I tend to see uh, opportunities, Joel, in, 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 in disagreements, and, and look for a way to bring us together so we can get those, those disagreements behind us. And, and in retrospect. In, in looking back at the last eight years, I don't think there's anything I've done more significant 
then seeing the disagreement with the upstream folks and the and the Fargo Moorhead diversion folks, and we were tied up in federal court, and it was going to be there for probably ten years, and it would probably that that disagreement would have probably cost us the flood protection project ultimately, especially now that we've seen what the economy has done since then. So. So I saw this situation, and I, I told the folks at the table, we need to resolve this and mediate this. And they kind of go, yeah, we've all tried. I go, no, we need to resolve this and get this behind us. And that's what I did. I led the mediation. I initiated it. I reached out to the folks upstream and said, we need to talk. And we sat down at the table, and we worked at it, and we worked at it. And long story short, we got that federal lawsuit behind us, and we now have a diversion project, and there was nothing but a fight before that. Yeah. You know, that's an example of how I, I, I approach things. I saw things. Richland County and Wilkin County both sign off, you know, yes. th- that they came to an agreement with you. They, did, it didn't mean you were happy. It didn't mean they were happy, but that's what happens in good negotiations. Everybody gives right. and and gets, you know, they, they lose a little bit, but you, you, the gain is you got on the same page. Yeah, uh, when when I think of that project, and as you know, I drive through it every day. Uh, when when I look at it, years from now, people are going to look at that project and and just take it for granted. They're they're going to look at it and say, "Oh, yeah, well, that was obvious. That needed to happen." And so I know it's a good project. I realize that I, the, one of the reasons that that I opposed and and needed to speak out was because nobody was speaking out. For those people, that that vast minority, it was being thrust upon. They needed to have a voice, and and they needed to be listened to and respected, and that's essential in government. And I'm glad you, you did that. You know, because... and, and and then let's look at the. You know, I drove here today to look at the weather. You know, look at this climate we're dealing with. You know, there's there's no doubt about it. Yeah, I there are were and always will be issues with how we manage the money and how we do projects and how we coordinate things, but. Bottom line, we need protection from from droughts and from floods. Mm -hmm. We have erratic weather cycles going on out there that are going to be uh, calamitous. And and that pipeline that Garrison's got coming this way, you need it. And that's been supposed to be coming for my whole lifetime. Well, finally, finally, (laughs) Finally it's coming. Their leadership has it moving forward. And I'm not criticizing the leadership because they've been jerked around by this and that and that. But that pipeline's going to make its way here. So So we're getting prepared for the changes in the climate that are coming, but we're not out of the woods yet. Let me ask you about those things that that aren't glamorous or easy. Okay, (laughs) I mean, they're, they're really not. You know, we can we can talk about. The services that you provide, uh, a West Fargo, where you 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 can take and, and supply drinking water, where you can have a debate over where you take garbage, where you take you know at the landfill, uh, all all of those things. Those are just nuts and bolts of how a city works. Yes. How much do you think? And maybe it's it's a good sign when you hear the public just taking it for granted. But how much do you think? Fargo is ready for the next phase of its life when it comes to its infrastructure. I think we're very ready, and I and I believe we're postured for for immense growth as a regional community. We are the economic engine in this whole Upper Midwest area, and I believe our partnerships with our our, our neighboring cities and governances, government subdivisions, and the city itself, the the services we provide with the protections we're putting in place. With the public safety and the public health aspects into a community with, you know, with good education and good, we've just, we're really postured yeah. to be in a good place and we're an envious place. 
But yet there's growth coming. There's going to be immense growth oh, coming our that's, way. That's my point. Fargo is going to be a long, narrow city and and by the scale of, of bigger cities. And when you have that, it can be really hard to supply. You, you know, your waste treatment is on the north end of your city. And, you know, Joel, that, that city, we already, the world has come to us. With this growth, we, we don't have enough babies being born to fill the jobs that are are, are needing mm-hmm. to be filled out there. So we have a really diverse population. We have 90-some languages spoken already Until in our community. Until you talk to your school superintendents, you don't realize the challenges that brings. The, 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 There's the, a lot. The daily work, exactly yeah. right. And that's that's and that's and a reality. See, one of your, your strengths, John, uh, and John Strand is my guest, ladies and gentlemen, it, it, one of your, your strengths to me, is the fact that you served on that school board. Because at times I think there's such a separation between city governance and the school board when that person stuck in the middle just wants to talk about property taxes. Exactly. And so and, let's do that when we come back. Okay. okay. Uh, John Strand running again for Fargo City Commission. Uh, stick around. Uh, we'll make sure that uh, if you've got a question for John, give us a call. 1-800-880-5346. You can always text us in to our Adventure RV Text Club at 35270. More coming your way here on News and Views. John Strand, Fargo City Commissioner, is with me for a little bit longer. I get a chance to visit with him. He's announced that he is running for re-election to the Fargo City Commission. A couple of text messages come in. One says, Strand is a great community a community builder and leader. Imagine the possibilities for Fargo. Another one, uh, Strand is a formidable leader in our community without a lot of fanfare. He's loyal to all of us. He will get my vote. Uh, John? I'm not giving you these phone numbers so you can put yard signs in your yard. Okay? <laughs> I want, want to talk to you a little bit about something that I always look to you to, which is the connection between property tax issues. And by that, I mean, yes, we can include the county, all of that. But you've got the city of Fargo with the needs that it has, and we're going to get to homeless in a second if time permits. But the school board, okay, the you served on both of those boards. I did. I was there eight years. What does that give you that the average person doesn't have? Well, it, it, it gives me a, an insight to the demographic of our community. It also gives me a clear understanding, Joel, and a lot of us don't pay attention always, but half of the West Fargo School District, 48%, give or take, is in Fargo. West Fargo, the biggest growing school district in the state, it's more than anything Fargo's growth. So we have we have that issue where it's the only jurisdiction where you have different boundaries for school districts mm-hmm. and the cities. And there used to be 10 miles between the cities. Now you can't tell the difference when you enter West Fargo right. versus Fargo. But to me, that's a, a, a telling inf- bit of information about our, our community, the school districts, the relationship with the, the, each other. And, and who they are and where the growth is. And then you tie that to property taxes. It used to be there was a day where the state wasn't funding public education as much at the 70% threshold. 34% it was. And, 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 and then the bulk of the funding was landing on the local shoulders. So we had three-fourths of, two-thirds of the local uh, taxes, schools were funded by property taxes. Now it's just over 50% or so. Mm. You know, so that's a really big issue. That's how we fund education. 
but his property the, taxes. The average person, you know, you say fifty percent versus I get that, I understand it, and you're accurate. But it doesn't matter to them because Correct. the cost has gone up. And let's they talk don't about, care whether it's fifty it, or or you know two thirds because either way the cost went up on them. You mentioned Grafton earlier. I used to live up there, mm-hmm. and Grafton had then a different scenario where they had declining valuations. We have escalating valuations. We're required, all of us are required by statute to keep our valuations 90% or more of the market value. The real, you know, so that forces taxes to rise. This ties into what I think is the most impressing issue in the community right now, which I call it housing insecurity. And it's not just the folks who don't have housing. And it's not just the folks in apartments who are getting evicted or having skyrocketing rents. It's the senior citizens on fixed incomes in our existing core neighborhoods that see their tax bill skyrocketing and their income level is fixed. Well, their tax bill, if you divide by 12... In some of these cases, is higher than what their their house, uh, you know, mortgage was. And then they don't have a place to move to if they sell right. their house that fits that continuum spectrum of housing. So we have some really major, and that all ties to property taxes. Property taxes are really cr- critical in in that formula. And and then of course specials. That's a whole nother topic. Well, but- and we need to broach that. We need to spend more time on that. But I want to talk about the homeless issue in Fargo. Okay. Uh, fix it. I really appreciated some year, some months back when the the community, and this wasn't from the city itself, but the community was voting on whether or not to have an, uh, a local increase in taxes for the far, for the convention center and the Fargo Dome expansion and a lodging tax expansion. One citizen wrote to me, he said, what, if, what would Fargo be like if we used a quarter percent sales tax to address the homeless situation? Isn't that thinking out of the box? You know, isn't that like looking for solutions? You know, and I know there's folks who go, and you've traveled, I've traveled, the people who travel, there's there's homeless people everywhere. Mm-hmm. Even in our winter, there's people in out in the cold in, and who are ho- unhoused. There's homeless populations all over the place. There, there, we have our we have our hands full, lovingly, caringly, with with the most dignity for these folks that we can, helping them get reestablished in life. So there's folks out there who say, nah, they, they can go get a job. They can go somewhere else. My view is I'm, I'm so proud of Fargo. I think it's one of my proudest things in Fargo that we have our downtown engagement center. We have our harm reduction program. We have our needle exchange program. We have, we're helping people who are struggling in life. And there, and, 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 and I understand the biggest sector of growth in homelessness is seniors. Well, I, I will tell you this. I coming from a area that drives into Fargo every day. When I am in one of those more rural areas, and they criticize Fargo for homelessness or what they see as a problem with homelessness, I always kind of get up in their grill a little bit. I don't just kind of. I do because most individuals that struggle with homelessness, I shouldn't say most, but many of them come from the rural area. Absolutely, they find the way to your town. Absolutely, and, and then they become what some might describe as your problem. Right. Twenty-five years ago, I ran into a person from my home, hometown who I grew up with, my hometown of Crystal. I didn't ever expect somebody I grew up with, a couple years younger than me, would be homeless in Fargo. Mm-hmm. So he was sleeping on our office floor downtown until he got an apartment. I never ever fathomed somebody I grew up with 
would be homeless right. in See, our state. And, and I, I can give you an example of two individuals that came to Fargo because you had the necessary help with the struggles that they had. One was mental illness, the other was addiction. Yep. And they ended up living on your streets at times. They ended up relying on the compassion and and you know the 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 sense that the community has of trying to help, but they both came from the rural area. And thank goodness we have alternatives than just to have our law enforcement go out and arrest people and put them in jail and fill the jail further and it's already over full. And 40% of them are homeless technically. Well, John, I'm glad to hear you're running again. Have you? Are we talking about Facebook website, or is this John Strand saying, "Hey, give me a vote"? I I kind of pulled off most social media. There is a Facebook page for my campaign. There is a StandWithStrand.com, which we will re- reinvigorate soon. But uh, it's going to be kind of old fashioned, door knocking, talking to people, uh, you know, just reaching out and and asking for their vote and listening and learning. An old media guy, I've got to tell this to you, Alexei Navalny, you know, that just was murdered in, in prison Russia. in Russia by Vladimir Putin. They kicked his wife off Twitter today. She opened up a Twitter account <laughs> and Elon Musk said no. I mean, think about that. Our world's That's in trouble. the state of our world when you have the widow and somebody willing to pick up that banner to say exactly who Vladimir Putin is. I'm glad I can put on my blinders and focus locally and see what's in front of my nose. Good luck in your race, John. Thank you, Joel, uh, very you, much. You've been a good commissioner.